Well, thank you. These guys are going to have a seat. I'm going to invite Becca Lindbergh to join me. And Becca, for those of you who have not met her, grew up in the Snoqualmie Valley here in North Bend. You worked a lot at uh, Sideview Community Pool, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you're pretty much an institution there. And uh, Becca has been involved in our church for a long time. She's most recently been a confirmation teacher for how many years did that happen? Four or five years. And during that time, we realized that Becca could preach. <laughs> and so uh, that was about the time that I arrived, and we would have her uh, preach on occasion, and she would always uh, do an amazing job. I she, joked I was the backup preacher. She was the backup <laughs> preacher, definitely. And uh, then she left, which really bummed me out. Uh, but she went to seminary. And for, so for the last four years, or last, I'm sorry, not four years. Three. Three years. Three. She's lived in Chicago and kind of been back here and then. And after graduation, she was called to a church in Peabody, Massachusetts. She's going to tell us all about that. Uh, but first, I want to, this is uh, awkward, I don't usually hand out <laughs> gifts before people preach, but this is a gift from our congregation to you, just as a thank you for all the many years of service. I know that moving, there's a lot of expenses associated with that. You can pray for Becca. Uh, she's got to make new friends in a brand new place all by herself. And so uh, you're going to be in our thoughts and prayers, and we're so appreciative of you. So thank you. Thank you, thank you guys. So first, okay, my microphone is on. That's always my first challenge here. All right, uh, please join me in prayer. Jesus, thank you for bringing us here today. Help the words that I say to be your words and that your meaning is heard by us. Amen. All right, so good morning. As Pastor Dan said, my name is Becca and I am now officially Pastor Becca. which took me a long time to be able to say. Um, so I graduated in May from North Park Theological Seminary in Chicago. Um, it, graduation was virtual for COVID, which I actually totally didn't mind. I didn't really. I was interning in Connecticut, so the last part of my schooling. I'm a good student. I know that about myself. But I wanted to practice what it's like to actually be a pastor. Right? I wanted to apprentice into the role and not just study it academically. So I had an internship with a church in Connecticut called Salem in Washington Depot, Connecticut. So it was the first thing they asked me was, how was Washington? And I wasn't sure what to say to them because I'm from Washington, but I'm new to Washington. And I was like, well, okay, whatever. Um, but that was really good. I learned a lot. I was able to finally grow into that. Um, and so after graduation, we do, in our denomination, which the church I interned in, this church and this church in Massachusetts I'm going to is part of the Evangelical Covenant Church. That's our denomination. And um, it's kind of an awkward process to get placed in a church. Dan's smiling at me under his mask. Um, it's a little bit like online dating. So like I make a profile and the church makes a profile and then we like see if we match and then we like go and visit and we, we meet and then we visit again and we, the church votes. And so I've been doing that process this whole fall. And um, I'm starting, I think my first Sunday there is January 9th and I fly out on the 6th. 
So it's me and my puppy, who's eight months old, going to the other side of the country. So if you guys want to keep us in your prayers, that'd be great. And the housing market's similar to here, so housing's hard to find. And while I'm a professional, it's, they don't, you don't go into ministry for the paycheck. So I'm just looking for a house or an apartment that I can afford. So if you guys keep that in your prayers, that would be amazing. So the church I'm moving to is called Community Covenant Church in Peabody, Massachusetts. If you say Peabody like it's spelled, they will make fun of you for being from out of town. It's also CCC, which made me laugh, going from one CCC to another. Um, and thank you for the gift, but I really wanted to thank you for a lot more than that. Because this church has been really important to me in my journey, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to share with you this Sunday. It's been bananas in my life recently. I wouldn't recommend trying to move right around the holidays and preach and pack and work at the pool again. Um, but um, I wanted to share with you guys, because I'm assuming at least some of you here remember the sermon I gave before I went to seminary a few years ago, where I like publicly cried up here telling you that I needed to surrender my life to Jesus and didn't really want to. Um, but it was a call to ministry that you had seen in me. And in our denomination, that is part of what it means to be a pastor. It means that the church, I feel called, I've done my work, Jesus has called me, and the church affirms it. And my journey was backwards in that you affirmed it before I said yes. But I needed you to. I needed you to affirm to me that Jesus was calling me and that I'm actually excited to be a pastor, Becca, is a big chunk because you encouraged me. And I felt weird leaving without telling you that. So I asked Pastor Dan if I could give one more sermon before I left because you're an important part of my journey and I wouldn't be here without you. So, with that, let's get into the actual Advent stuff. So, like Dell, I love Advent. It's my favorite season. Um, the first Sunday of Advent here, Dan spoke about how it's not like the cute Christmassy verses, and I was like, no, it's not. It's the stuff I really like. It's, I studied the prophets, and the Advent texts are, um, they're difficult. There's a lot of longing, and despair all mixed with hope. So they're all mushed together and they're complicated. And a lot of them come from the exilic period. So anyone that is a nerd like me, um, this is the period in Israel's history where they've been overtaken by enemies and sent to foreign lands. So life is not as intended or as they were hoping. Um, interestingly, I always connected with these scriptures. The, while they're not happy, this Hope mixed with hard seemed to reflect my life of faith and what I was walking through and maybe not what we wanted it to be, but what it actually was. I was the one who cried up here talking about how I needed to surrender. So I, I understand the, the hard mixed with hope, at least a little bit. And then when I saw, so we're using the church calendar scriptures in the Advent readings and in for our Sunday services, and when I saw the, 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 the texts I had, I kind of laughed because they're way more Christmassy than we've had for a little bit. So I get the Christmas ones. But that's why the Advent verses are so good. 
because they lead to Christmas. They lead to that hope. And we're at the week now, week four of Advent, where you can almost taste it. The hope is right there. It's right there. So, and sometimes we can really connect with that, with that hope, with the joy of the season, right? With the Christmas spirit. Sometimes that hope and that light and the joy of Christmas Day is what we're experiencing. We hear all those hymns that they played up here today. I love Christmas hymns, they're like my favorite. And we hear them and we're like, yes, joy to the world, our Lord is here. I'm ready to fall on my knees and hear the angel stories because it reflects what I am feeling and seeing. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there isn't actually much evidence or any evidence in your life that the Lord has come or that earth has received its king. Sometimes it's really just hard and Christmas is just work and we're trying to fake it and maybe make it, right? And we might connect a lot more with uh, the verse from I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day that says, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And sometimes that's what we're feeling at Christmas. And that's why it's so important to tell that story every year. That's why the calendar is important. We get to Advent and we get to Christmas every year. It's why we sing the songs and we tell the stories over and over again. What are we waiting for? What has God done for us? Who is he to us? Because sometimes we can praise him in the season we're in because of these things, and sometimes it's a hope we have to cling to that we're not feeling at the moment. And this can be kind of a theoretical concept, so I'm going to share a personal God story to start it. Again, middle schoolers, or ones that were in middle school, I taught confirmation, which they're not in middle school anymore, are they, Alex? <laughs> so one of my favorite songs is Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Old Swedish hymn, my dad's gonna be really happy in the back, part of the denomination for forever. And I really wanted to connect it to a Christmas hymn, but uh, Great Is Thy Faithfulness kept winning out, my, so that's what we're using. Um, it's a classic, one that I've sang my whole life from when I first started remembering hymns. And so I have the lyrics of the first verse to come up, hopefully. All right. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. I love this hymn. And one of the reasons I love it so much is that God has been faithful to me. It affirms what God has done for me. So the past few years in seminary, I actually made it to seminary, which as you all know is a big deal. I was able to graduate from seminary, also a big deal. I was able to travel with the seminary to Congo, which is something I'd always wanted to do. I was able to get an internship, like I was hoping, during COVID with a church that was meeting in person and that let me grow into my call. There were a lot of ways that God was faithful to me in the last few years. Not that it has been easy, but looking back on it, I can see the faithfulness. However, in June, my internship was over. I had graduated. I was done. 
And it's actually pretty hard to find pastor jobs as a new pastor. Some of my classmates, it can take up to two years to get into a church position. And so all I knew was that I had a drive with my mom from Connecticut back to my parents' house once again, and then a who knows how long wait. That's what I knew. And I was terrified of what was coming, because I didn't know. So I went into the empty sanctuary that I'd spent the last year serving and growing in, and I sang Great is Thy Faithfulness, not so much as a statement of all the things God has done for me, but as something that I needed to cling to. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. You can hear the difference when it's something you cling to versus something you're praising. It's subtle, but it's important. So despite my fear and my unknown circumstances, I still had hope to cling to because I knew who God was and what he had done before. Didn't actually change anything on the ground. I still had to drive across the country and go to an unknown, no one knows what's happening. But I had some hope. And sometimes songs like Great Is Thy Faithfulness or any of our Christmas hymns are filled with praise and sometimes it's a hope that we cling to we cannot always hear the words of praise because of what is happening, and then we need to cling to them like it's a promise. Letting them remind us of who God is and how God has acted for us in the past. So we're going to take a moment and pause for a second. Because is there a Christmas verse or song or story this year that's really stuck out? If you're like me, you, you kind of know them all, but they still jump out different every year. Are you feeling like it's a clinging to hope kind of year? Or is it a rejoicing kind of year? It's truly okay to be either. Both are faithful responses to God and both are going to be reflected in the scriptures for this week. So we're gonna sit for a sec and just, sometimes in this season I think we move so fast that we don't actually have time to think about it. So we're gonna, we actually are gonna sit for a second and just think about if it's a year that's hard and how you're feeling about the fact that it's Christmas again. So in our scripture texts today, we have our, for the church calendar, so it's read by Christians all over the world today which is always kind of cool. We have a moment of praise for who God is and what he has done, and a moment of hope to cling because of who he is and what he has done. So first, we're gonna use the Old Testament text, which is Micah chapter five. First, don't put it up quite yet, Megan. Um, you're so on top of it. So verse two is the classic one that they use at Christmas every year. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. That one we recognize. 
That's one used in the Gospels as evidence of why Jesus is born in Bethlehem, as the ruler who was from old. But what you learn when you go to school for pastoring and seminary is you never look at just one verse, you must look at it in its context. So we're gonna read Micah 5, 1 to 5, and this we will put on the screen. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Epiphrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. Sounds a little different when you talk about invading Assyrian armies. Not quite as cute or about a little baby. But there are promises here. There are promises of a coming king and references to a coming enemy. So this is from the prophet Micah, one of the Old Testament prophets who spoke to both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the Assyrians, the aforementioned Assyrians, do attack and they do take Israel. It is fulfilled when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. But there's still hope all over that. Through Micah, God promises that the promised ruler will come. He will come from Bethlehem. He will be a shepherd in the strength of the Lord. Now these images, when we hear them, might pull us to Jesus, but Micah's original hearers would have been pulled to King David. King David was from Bethlehem, he was a shepherd, he was the king, a king that followed after God's own heart, and he led the United Kingdom. And that's really important here, because when Micah was writing, at this point, the kingdom of Israel had split into two. Some of you might remember this. And the northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah, where Jerusalem and Bethlehem were. So. It's a split kingdom, but Micah is talking about the ruler of the northern kingdom coming from the southern kingdom, meaning that they will be one again. So it's not even a hope that what is happening now will maintain, but that golden period in their past will come again. That is what Micah is promising. The Assyrians are also coming, but we will be one again and a king like David will bring us back. This is a reminder of what God has done for them in the past with David, what he will do with them in the future. This is a great is thy faithfulness moment. He's Mike is reminding the people that they may not be in this place now, but they will again. God will give them a ruler like David and fulfill all of his promises and they are being urged to cling to this hope in spite of the coming enemy and no matter how long it may take. This is a biblical example of what my God story was, which is people clinging to a memory of what God has done in order to maintain that hope in a hard time 
which is what we do at Christmas every year. Why else would we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, if not to remind us every year that God is still with us? And I encourage you, if you are in a difficult season, to use this week the Christmas messages, songs, scriptures in the same way, a reminder of where our hope lies. Time to reflect on the way God has met you, personally, your own God stories, to help ground our hope. So as the prophet Micah advises, the people of Israel and Judah do cling to this hope. Despite the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, all of whom capture this land, which leads us to Luke chapter one. 400 years later, more than that from Micah, young Mary has just heard she is pregnant and will give birth to a son. She visits a family member, Elizabeth, who is also miraculously pregnant, as we heard during the Advent reading today. And Mary arrives, Elizabeth exclaims, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And when I was looking at this again, I was really struck with that last verse. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. One of our downsides of hearing this story every year is we, we kind of know what's going to happen. And so we know that Mary's going to give birth to Jesus in Bethlehem and it's all going to be great. But Mary doesn't know that yet. And Mary, there hasn't been any voices, God hasn't spoken to anyone in Israel for 400 years. And that would be like God spoke at the last, the first Thanksgiving the pilgrims had in 1621 and hasn't spoken to anybody since then, but then spoke to you. And would you believe that? Or would you be like, I finally lost it. All right, we're done now. Why would God speak to me if he hasn't spoken to anyone since the first Thanksgiving? And yet Mary believes him. And why? Why does Mary believe the angel? I think it's because she knows who's making that claim. She knows God. She knows these stories. She knows those verses from Micah and the king that is coming, she has heard that story over and over again. Just like we do with Christmas, she knows this. She's clung to the hope that's written in the Bible, and now she praises God for what he's doing. Joy and praise in this moment. We don't have to cling to the hope anymore, it's here now. And so she sings, well, it's a poem, we don't know that she sings it. It's called Mary's Song or the Magnificat. And this is what she says, this will be on the screen. And Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And all of this is true. And God is worthy of that worship. God was mindful of Mary in her lowly state as a peasant woman in a far-flung, no-one-cares-about-you town. And she has been called blessed for generations. God performed mighty deeds, stepping into history, empowering the powerless, remembering promises made to Abraham. This is true, and in this moment, Mary is reveling in it, and we can see her joy. But the story doesn't end here. She does have to go back to Nazareth, and we assume Joseph, her fiance, does not yet know she is pregnant, so that needs to be hashed out. And there may not be quite as much praise and hope when Joseph decides to divorce her quietly, as it tells us in Matthew. Then this prayer may be a hope to cling to. You have done great things for me. You're going to hopefully continue to do great things for me because I know who you are. And then, much later in life, Jesus keeps doing things I'm sure his mother wasn't thrilled with. There's at least one instance in the Bible of Jesus actually ignoring his mother when he comes, she comes to him and tries to talk. He just keeps on ministering. Later, he dies. Her miracle child, killed by their political enemies. Mary's song, not a song of praise that night. That night, it's a cling to hope. So what do we do with this? Can this idea be applied to our own lives, to our own celebrations of Christmas? I think so. I think it's important to feel what we're feeling, to be present in it now. Maybe the, the hymns that we sang earlier, while beautiful, were actually really hard for you to sing. Maybe they remind you of something you, someone who's gone, or maybe you just can't get your to-do list out of your brain, and you spent the whole service being like, oh, when we get home, we have to do this, and we have to put that in the oven, and we have to put the tree, we finally got our tree up yesterday, right? Like, which is early for us. We got, we got complimented for that. Um, <clears throat> maybe this year's a really good year. Maybe you're finally all together again. Maybe you're seeing people you haven't seen in two years. And you're feeling that joy and that excitement. Either way, we come back to the same story, the same hymns, and the same experiences. We praise and we cling. So think about who God is in this story, right? He sees us. He lifts us up when we are powerless with no options. He walks us through difficult moments and fights our enemies. He is God with us. I got a job as a pastor, and it didn't take two years. Now there's a ton of unknown about this position, and every night I lay in bed having to cling to the hope of what God has done for me, and what he will do for me in the future, because I know who God is, and I know that I would never guess what is coming. He's made that abundantly clear, but that whatever it is will be good. I have the same hope to cling to that Micah had, and that Mary had, and that generations of Christians have had. So we're, as we finish our Advent wait and get to Christmas, 
I encourage you to take the time to really think about how you're feeling this year. It's been a hard few years. And that's just like broad. That's nothing specific. How are you feeling about Christmas? About God? There's no wrong way to feel. We know that from our scriptures. There's no wrong way to feel about this. Maybe you are feeling like Mary. But wait. Don't let how you feel about God slip away this season. Don't let it slip through the preparations that we make so many cookies we forget to actually think about God. Maybe you're feeling like Mary and God has met you in astounding ways and you're full of joy. Maybe a little more like Joseph. Something really unexpected just happened and you're gonna to have to figure out what you're gonna do. Maybe you're a little more like the people of Israel that Micah's speaking to. That all you see are enemies and foreign nations and years of hardship, but that God's promise will be fulfilled someday. It's, you can really sit with it because we're clinging to the hope of who God says he is. That's why the church calendar is important. That's why Advent is important. We don't ever come to the story the same way, even though we come every year. But God is always present and always meets us. And every year, we can hope and cling and praise to Emmanuel, the God who is with us.